Hello Life Changers, thank you so much for joining us. We have got an amazing word for you, so why don't you lean in, grab a notebook and pen, and get ready for what God has to say to you today. Uh, I did something the other day that I need to just get off my chest, something I need to tell you that I did something unusual, something out of the ordinary, something that just I'm not accustomed to, something just, that's just not me, something that I, I swore that I'd never do again, something I promised I'd never do again, something I vowed I'd never do again. You want to lean in for this one because it was something that the, the kids are calling running. I went for a run. Something that, uh, something that people call, it's a new fad that's sweeping the nation. I think it's called jogging. I think the J is silent. It's just amazing. People love it. And um, I went for a run, people. And, uh, and I, I, got, I realized, because I got to the state in my life that I have got, I've got midlife, middle, the middle age, midlife, in my horizon. It's come bearing down on me quicker than I first anticipated. And, uh, and I realize that I'm no longer the tall, sinewy, athletic um, redhead that you've come to know and love. Uh, that's long gone. And I've got to do some work. And, and I, I got to the stage where I realized that I had to make a decision that I had to go for a run. And when I said I make a decision, my wife may or may not have strongly encouraged me to go for a run, but I told her I will make this decision because I wear the pants in that family. So I'll let you know. It was my decision, okay? I chose to do it. But, but I went for a run, and I got so excited about this because I haven't done this for ages because you lived with this motto for years that I only run if someone's chasing me. But I decided I'm going to reverse it now. I'm just going to get on the front foot. And I remember that day came a couple of weeks ago. I put the headband on. I put the athletic gear on. You know, I pulled the socks up, and I had the, 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 the chariots of fire, the, the eye of the tiger um, in the background of my head. I put the headphones on, and I, I selected the song that will accompany me in the first steps towards greatness. I have got the eye of the tiger. You know that song? You're going to hear me roar. I was like, come on, Katy Perry, let's go. And I was ready, I was ready to go. I thought Usain Bolt, eat your heart out. And I set out at an incredible pace out of the gate, down the roads, and I saw cars swerving to get a glimpse of me. It says, is this a bird? Is it a plane? Is that an Ed Sheeran lookalike? No, it was just me, people. Just me taking to the streets again, you know, just hitting, hitting the concrete with, my, with my, 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 size, my size 10s. I was so pumped, ready to go and get out, get my sweat on. And I remember those five kilometers that they passed like this. I was hitting record speeds. I, I started thinking, this is easy. This is, I am an athlete. I'm a honed athlete that I can just pick this up and go. I started thinking Boston Marathon. I thought, comrades, two oceans, let's do this thing. I, this is my, my calling. And I got home and I walked in and I was glistening with sweat. It was just, I was just shake, shook my hair off in slow motion. My wife just was swooned. She said, you've never looked so sexy. My kids came up to me and said, Father, thank you for being the father that we've deserved. You're amazing. I said, it's a pleasure, kids. Let's walk through. And I was, I was in my element. And I went to bed that night thinking, this is good. This is the new normal. Until 2 a.m. that evening, that morning, when I woke up with my whole body on fire. And I'm not talking about some spiritual experience. This was just physical pain, people. I, my legs were aching, my, my calves were burning, my, my arms and my torso and what some people would might call a core was burning and I was under pressure, I had a headache that was throbbing, I did not know what to do and I, just, I, I woke up saying to Fiona, my wife, saying, I knew that running would be the death of me, I knew it, I always knew that running would take me out and I started to tell her, what's wrong, what's happening to my body, what is going on here and she told me, Gabe, I want to say this in the kindest way possible, you are not smart. Thank you, love. She said, no, firstly, you, you, you're dehydrated. 
You secondly, you exerted yourself beyond you could, you could bear. And thirdly, you did not stretch. You see, stretching is a thing, is a, is a, is a, it's, it's not a young man's game, stretching, you know? I never used to stretch. I would just go, five aside, I'm keen. Touch rugby, I'm in. No need to stretch, let's go. But you hit a certain age in life where stretching now becomes not just uh, nice to do, this is a prerequisite to be able to do anything. And that gets me to the crux. Anything, Michael, anything. Opening the fridge door. Does someone need a stretch there to get to the right of the back of the fridge? You've got to do it. You've got to be stretched and supple, people. Ready to go. And that is the metaphor for what I'm wanting to speak to us about this morning, is that actually I think if I can drag that metaphor into our spiritual dynamic as the people of God, I think that the people of God, the church as a collective around the world, are lacking the power are lacking the purpose, are lacking the ability to run into what God has for them because they have stopped stretching. They have stopped stretching. You see, this is the reality for us. I think actually it's it's even seeped into the way we speak about life, the way we address things, the way we uh, we, uh, attend to the lenses on how we view life. We'll say things like, do you see a future for your kids in this economy, in this nation at this time? And we'll go, hey, it's a stretch, eh? With this economy, with this government, with this situation, oh, it's a stretch. We'll say things like, uh, can you forgive that person who hurt you so bad? You're like, oh, you don't know the things they said about me on social media. The way they ran their mouths, it's a stretch. I can't forgive them. It's a stretch. We'll say things like, can you overcome that secret sin that has plagued you for years? Can you trade your debilitating depression for supernatural joy? Will you be able to see hope for your failing marriage? And you'll say, yeah, you don't know how long I've prayed about that sin. You don't know the situation that's led to the anxiety in my heart. You don't have my spouse and their track record. It's a stretch. We'll say things like, can we actually at this time when everyone wants to stay online, stay at home, and, and people have lost losing faith in church, can we build a thriving, multicultural, diverse church here in this area at this time? And people go, oh, it's a stretch. Can we see together God do the impossible things through a people like us again? Ah, oh, it's a stretch. We start saying things like that, but I want to tell you today, my thesis is this, that it's in the stretch, it's when we stretch that we see the hand of God move. So I'm going to ask you to preach this with me. Up in the balcony here in the room, I'd love you to ignore your neighbor around you, and I want you to find somebody two rows away, and I would love you to stretch as far as you can to give them a high five, a fist bump, and when you do that, as you activate those muscles so the core people, tell them, that's a stretch. And some of you, you're welcome. That's your exercise for the week. It's a, it's a pleasure. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for this amazing family of faith that have gathered today, not just to fill seats, not to take up time, but to engage with Almighty God. And I thank you that you are here with us in our very midst. And you're here also not just to go through the motions, not just to tick off another Sunday, not just to take attendance, God. You are here to stir us and to change us indelibly forever, that we'll be marked with eternity. I thank you, Father, for the embers that have grown dim, the flames that have almost died out. I pray, breathe, Holy Spirit, upon your church. Breathe, Holy Spirit. I pray every, everybody under the sound of my voice, from the left to the right, from the front to the back, I pray would we encounter you today. Nothing less, nothing less than an encounter with Jesus. Would you do this by the power of your word? 
as we lean in in faith. Amen. There's this word called stretch that's found in the Bible, and it and it's, it's, it's litters the, the pages of Scripture, and it finds its root Aramaic word hadar, H-A-D-A-H, hadar. It's a palindrome, hadar. You're welcome. You're Jewish scholars right now, hadar. And this incredible word finds its, 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 its first uh, zenith point, its, first, its high point in Scripture, in the Scripture in the most dramatic way, it appears itself in Exodus chapter 14. It finds its, its introduction to us as Moses is leading the people of Israel out of Egypt after 430 years of captivity, leading them out of their slavery, and he's led these two million plus minus people all the way up to the banks of the Red Sea, an ocean that goes as far as I can see. And he gets to this point, he's got no GPS, he's not got, got no Google Maps, he's got no Siri telling him where to go next, he's just leading the people in the wilderness and he's got two million people behind him wanting to know where we're going, Big Mo. He's got an ocean of water in front of him, nowhere to go seemingly in front of him. But then all of a sudden, the enemy, the Egyptians, are coming around them and hemming them in and coming with a furor and vengeance to take them back to Egypt. In this moment, Moses is wondering, what, what do I do? He look, looks around, people, needy, two million people, looking to him with expectation, where are we going? And fear, he's seeing the enemy coming around him, he sees the red sea in front of him, he's saying, God, you told me to lead these people, it's a stretch. God goes, exactly, that's what's needed right now. He says, Moses, this is what I want you to do. He says, I want you to stretch out your arms, your hands over the ocean. And that's the first time we see that word, Hadar, stretch out your hand over the ocean. Stretch out your little Moses-shaped hand, stretch it out of the ocean, and watch me work. And as Moses does this, we see as Moses stretches out, the mighty hand of God started moves on their behalf. The mighty hand of God comes and pulls the oceans apart, pulls them apart, pushing marine life and pushing algae and pushing the shore and pushing everything apart so that there's the wall of water on this side, a wall of water on that side, and then a path of dry land down the middle. And he pulls them so that people can walk through the water as if on dry land. And then the enemy, as they come behind them, are swallowed up in the vengeance of our God. It's an amazing moment. It's a stretch. The next time we see it a few chapters later, Exodus 17. Same Moses, same two million people, different circumstances. They now have been in the wilderness for three months. They are grumbling. They're groaning. They're thirsty. They're hungry. They're like your, your toddler in the car. Are we there yet? Every Every single moment of the day. It is, it is torture for Moses. And they get to a part where they are a broken, confused people. They're in the desert. And it's at this moment, the Amalekites, another enemy force, come to take them out. Come to wage battle against them. And they look around. Moses looks at these people. He says, this is not a fighting fit army to take on the Amalekites. I can't, I can't organize these people into a fighting unit. They've been 430 years slaves. What are we going to do? It's a stretch. And God goes, Exactly. Right now, Moses, this is what I want you to do. He says, Moses, I want you, as they, have, they fight in the valley, I want you to stand on top of the mountain, and I want you to hadar, stretch out your arms over the battle. And as your arms are stretched out, I will fight for you and wage victory for you. When your arms are lowered, the enemy will start to win. So Moses does this, and when his arms go tired, Aaron and Hur come and prop up his hands so they stay outstretched over the battle. And the mighty hand of God, as Moses' little hands are outstretched over the battle, the mighty hand of God is routing the enemy beneath them. It's a stretch. Then we see in 1 Kings 17, there's this narrative of a man named Elijah, a prophet, 
A man, the scripture says, who is just like us, Elijah. And there's a moment, a place where there's drought, where there's famine, where there's been economic recession. And he goes to a place called Zarephath where he finds a widow and he performs this miraculous moment where he's able to feed her. It's divine. Uber eats. It's incredible. It's just this amazing moment as, as she finds a sustenance in this moment. But this widow at Zarephath in the very next sentence says, her son then drops down dead, dies. And her, her prayer then is, is exasperated. She says, we're in a recession. I've lost my job. I've lost my husband. I've lost everything I hold dear. You come and you, te you, you tease me almost with a little bit of hope. And now my son drops down dead. How can I trust this God with this track record? How can I trust this God in this economy? How can I trust this God with this thing going around me? It's a stretch. God says, exactly. So Elijah then goes and he picks up the dead boy. Says he takes him up into the room. He lays this dead corpse on the ground. And Elijah tells us he had died. He stretched over the body, limb to limb, arm to arm. In this moment, he leads over the body and he says, he does this three times, leans over this dead corpse. And as he does this and pleads for God, God, would you do something? My little stretch outstretched over this boy's life, would you do something? The mighty hand of God started to move. The mighty hand of God started to bring the impossible to reality as a dead heart started to beat. And a dead boy came alive. It's a stretch. The fourth and final one I want to tell us, take us attention to is in 1 Kings chapter 18. The very next chapter, Elijah is now standing on top of a mountaintop. And he is at the back end of three years of famine, three years of drought, three years, as I mentioned, economic recession, the, nature, the nation's in depression. There, there's, there's joblessness, there's chaos, there's, there's people looking to the left and right, looking out, going after foreign gods. They don't know what to do because it seems like the load shedding has got hectic. It seems like the interest rates are soaring. It seems like the prices of petrol are going through. I'm like, sorry, that's not the Bible. That's just here today. But it seems like this is going from bad to worse. And it just seems there's no abating to this. It seems like this, we're on a, a collision course with destruction. What are we going to do? And, and Elijah says, I hear the sound of coming rain. Rain? Three years? Look around? That's a stretch. Exactly. Because that's what Elijah does in this moment. It's the Bible says that he had died. He stretched himself out. He stretched himself out against the ground. He put his head in between his knees. And he stretched himself out seven times. Not once, not twice, not three times, but seven times. He stretched out his little hands. And he called on the name of the God and said, God, would you send your rain? And after the first time, he told the servant, can you go see? Is the rain coming? The servant said, the rain? That's a stretch. Ran out. No, blue sky. Even check the weather app. Nothing, for the nothing in the forecast. Nothing. Second time. God, send your rain. God, would you move on our behalf? God, would you answer our prayers? God, we've seen this addiction ravage us for years. We've seen this depression for years. We've seen this doctor's diagnosis for years. We've seen this anxiety for years. God, it's a stretch. Just a stretch. I'm trusting you though, God. I trust you. Second time. Nothing. Third time. Nothing. Fourth time. Fifth time. Sixth time. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Till the seventh time, the man goes out going, this guy has lost it. This is a stretch. <laughs> Not paid enough for this job. Goes out the seventh time. As he's about to give the same forecast, he looks at God. Shocked. He runs back in. Elijah, over the horizon, I see a cloud coming. It's coming quickly. And it's the shape of a man's fist. 
as Elijah put out his little stretch, the mighty hand of God was literally moving on their behalf. And they were soon overtaken by rain as the rain came. I hear the sound of rain. It's a stretch. Exactly. It's a stretch. I want to take us to scripture today. Luke chapter 6, verse 6 to 11. We'll read it on the screen behind me. Verse 6 says this. On another Sabbath day, a man with a deformed, or other translations say withered right hand, was in the synagogue while Jesus was teaching. Now, before we read on, this story is, uh, is this iteration of this narrative of the man with the withered hand is spoken about in three of the four Gospels, Matthew, in Mark, and in Luke. But Luke, who's a doctor, who's a man of details, is the only gospel writer who tells us that it was the man's right hand that was withered. It was his right hand that was deformed. And Luke is not just giving us an anatomy lesson. He's saying there's something deeper and more spiritual behind the anatomy here. There's something deeper going on below this, behind the surface, that actually, he says, when he says his right hand, the Jewish audience will know that when you speak of a right hand of someone, you're speaking of that man's authority. You're speaking about the way a father would be able to bless his sons with the right hand of blessing. The way somebody would be able to work, a way able to provide, will be able to give an inheritance for their family is through their right hand. That's why Jesus right now, we told in scripture, is seated at the right hand of the father. The right hand of all authority, of all blessing, of inheritance, of future, of the power of God is at the right hand of the father. So when this man, we're told he's got a right hand we, uh, that's withered, we're not just saying it's a physically he's withered, in every shape, form he is withered. Economically, religiously, in the society, relationally he is withered, so much so that actually Luke will tell us it's his right hand that's withered, but won't even get his name. He's just man with withered hand. He's been so pushed into his weakness, so defined by this, this, this deformity that he's in the corner. And this is the reality I want to tell you that I really believe that the people of God have withdrawn our authority over the years. The church in the last few years, I believe, has abdicated their authority and their power and their influence. And I want to tell you it's not because of government. It's not because of some liberal theology. It's not because of some conspiracy theory that the church are being surrendered. No, I believe the church have abdicated their authority because they failed to stretch. You see, I really also believe that today God is here and he's wanting to restore authority back to sons and daughters. He is in the business of restoring the call of God back to you. You may have surrendered it. You may have abdicated it. You may have had that promise that God spoke to you years ago, but you have not seen it. And you feel to get back to that, that's a stretch. Exactly. God is here to redeem what the enemy has stolen. This is the reality I want to preach to us about, that God is in the business of restoring authority back to men, women, and his church. Keep reading the scripture, it says in verse 7, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees watched Jesus closely. If he healed the man's hand, they planned to accuse him of working on the Sabbath. As I was reading it this week again, I was so saddened and irritated by that verse. So irritated. There's a man with a withered hand who's probably unable to work properly, unable to provide for his family, no ability to bless his children, no ability to have influence and give inheritance, but he's been so excluded, he's been so um, ostracized, he's man with withered hand in the corner, probably comes, sits in the same seat every week, probably gets patted on the back every week. Nice to have you here again at this church service. Just tolerated that he has become normal. His withered, deformed life is normal to this religious elite, and so much so they're not even concerned about his state, they're trying to pick on Jesus. And, and it got to me thinking, 
It got me thinking that actually so often we tolerate things that are disfigured and withered in our lives and we treat it as normal when it's not, when it's anything but. I want to call up my good friend, my good athletic com comrade in arms, Michael. Why don't you bring it up? Yep, careful. My pet piranha, careful in there. Come stand, stand. Michael, stand on my right hand. We've got to, we've got to let's stay, on the, stay on theme here. Guys, don't be nervous. There's something really, something traumatizing under here. If you've got a weak stomach, uh, maybe avert your eyes for a little bit. But um, just, oh, you're right there, Michael. Oh, my goodness. We've got, we've got, oh, my goodness, guys. There we go. Look at that. Let me tell you, that's not holy water. It's not holy water, Michael. It's just uh, formaldehyde right there. Let me tell you, this, this, this reality, and I, again, I, I wanted this to be a bit more graphic. I did approach uh, some doctors in our church and said, do I have some literal disfigured hands and eyeballs? And I was told that is illegal. So <laughs> not allowed to have that in church. Oh, who knew? But let me tell you, just use your imagination how if I, Michael had unveiled this and there's a literal disfigured hand, there's a, a, a bloody and bleeding heart and some eyeballs and fingernails that have been pulled out. Just imagine if there was an eyeball squishing in my hand here. Everyone would recoil and go, ah, that's not normal. What are you doing with those in this, in this church here, Gabe? What cult have you brought me to this morning to your friend? I'm out of here. <laughs> Likewise. I think we as a church, we tolerate disfigured, withered, disconnected, unconnected body parts in the church and we treat it as normal. We see things that have been not, but haven't been stretched for years. We've seen unstretched prayer lives. We see unstretched worship. We see unstretched passion for Jesus and we go, ah, that's just normal. It's the signs of the time. And I'm saying, no, it's not normal. This is shocking. People who are not connected to the body, just filling seats on a Sunday, listening to a glorified TED talk, going, okay, let me get my coffee and go home, is not being connected to the body. You are a disfigured hand. You're a disfigured eye. You're a, you're, you're a cut off body part that is not being able to add to what the power of God is doing. You're not being able to stretch because you're not connected. And I'm not angry. I'm preaching to myself. I'm preaching to us. I'm passionate because I'm too tired of seeing an anemic unstretched church that aren't living in the power yeah. not just by name but indeed yeah. the kingdom of God is not of talk but of power yes. Michael you, you can sit bless you brother <laughs> but I want to tell you today seeing unstretched areas of our lives seeing areas of our lives that are unstretched should shock us because I want to introduce us to a new default this is not for the religious elite this is not radical this is biblical this is the foundation 101 that actually uh, I'm calling us to a new default where there's stretching in our giving, stretching in our financial giving. Let me, let me help us here. This is biblical because can I tell you what I say? Ooh, financial giving. You, should, you don't know my budget at the moment. The budget is tight. Two kids. We've got schooling coming up. There's big stuff. Giving, it's a stretch. Exactly. Exactly. That's where the mighty hand of God works. Ah, uh, serving. We want to. We should stretch in serving. Ah, uh, you know what? I've, I, my job is hectic, nine to fives, and I'm not a. I'm your people person. Oh, it's a stretch. Exactly, it's a stretch. That's where you're called to be. Stretch in in our worship. Stretch in our relationships. This is normal Christianity. Is to be a people stretched in faith. If you're not stretched in faith, you're not encountering the mighty hand of God. Yeah. 
Bible 101, and this is what Scripture says in verse 8. Let's keep reading. It says, but Jesus knew their thoughts. He knew the Pharisees' thoughts. And he said to the man with the deformed hand, come and stand in front of everyone. So the man came forward. Can you imagine this moment? This man, withered hand, no name, just sitting in the corner, minding his business, normal with my withered hand, normal without a future, normal without influence. And Jesus says to him, come stand in the middle in front of everyone. Let me tell you, he didn't do that to embarrass him. He didn't do it to expose him. He did it to empower him. And I am sick and tired of, of preaching and even preaching to my own heart that leaves me comfortable and unchanged. I'm sick and tired of seeing people come in and out, in and out, unchanged, and actually going, the Word of God should lay, lay our hearts bare and expose us, but so that we can be empowered. This is what God is calling His church to. I want to tell you, God does not reside in the comfort zone. He's in the stretch. This is the scripture says, then Jesus said to His critics, I have a question for you. Does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath? Or is it a day for doing evil? Is this a day to save life or to destroy it? Yeah. And here's verse 10, the kicker. Verse 10 says this. It says, He looked around at them one by one. Then He said to the man, Stretch out your hand. The same word that God spoke to Moses, the same word God spoke to Elijah, He's now speaking to man with withered hand. Stretch out your hand. Stretch out your hand. And this is the amazing thing. He didn't say, He said to him, Stretch out your weakness, not your excuse. Because yeah. if I've got that withered hand and someone says, Stretch out your hand, I'm coming with the strong hand. This is my good hand. But Jesus said, no, I've got no need for your own strength. I want the thing that's weak. Stretch out your weakness, not your excuse. Too many of us, when we challenge by the Word of God, challenge to obedience, challenge to take steps of faith, we're going, ah, my, my schedule, my track record, my ability, it's a stretch. We just say, exactly, stretch out your weakness because this is the reality for you and I. God can't bless who we're pretending to be. Let me say that again. God can't bless who we're pretending yeah. to be. He says, he brings strength to the weak. He gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to the humble, to those who say, I need you, God. I'm going to stretch out the areas I am weak in. And the scripture ends like this. So the man held out his hand and it was restored. The hand was healed in the stretching. I think we're all waiting for Jesus to say, say to him, stretch out your hand. And wow, how did that happen? Miracle! No, Jesus said, I'm the word, I speak it, but you have to meet the mighty hand of God with your little stretch, your little stretch. And as he held out his hand, it was healed. And this is the radical says, at this the enemies of Jesus were wild with rage and began to discuss what to do with him. Other text says, at this they start to plot to kill him. Killing Jesus, this man who claimed to be Messiah because he healed a man with a withered hand. Well, we have to understand the context of that day as we bring this into land was one of the greatest texts, number of, number of texts used to describe God's power in the Bible that appears in Exodus, in the Psalms, it appears in the prophets, is this phrase that says, God redeemed them with His mighty hand and outstretched arm. That's how they, they were waiting for Messiah who would come with His mighty hand and His outstretched arm. That's what they were coming for. They want that God. They want the God of Moses who will part the Red Seas dramatically. We want the God of Moses who will defeat the Malachites and the Romans and the Egyptians and the oppressors, fight our battles. They want the God of Elijah who will bring the dead to life. They want the God of Elijah who will bring the rain and change the economics 
And I think a lot of the church today, we stand in our seats going, God, move! Move! He's not. It's a stretch to really believe in faith at this time. It's a stretch. But this is the thing that in Isaiah chapter 64 is this text that the, the people would have prayed and prayed waiting for the Messiah to come. They'll say, rend the heavens and come down. And that word rend the heavens is the word, the root word hadar, which means stretch out the heavens and come down. God, would you stretch out the heavens and come down? And this is how he came. John chapter one, verse 14 says, the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. We, 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 want, we want God, uh, just God, come into, come. I would love you to move, God. Do your thing, God. Bring breakthrough, bring healing, bring freedom, bring deliverance, bring finances. I want you to do it, God. But John 1.14 says, no, this is how God did. Jesus, it says, paraphrase, left the stage and walked amongst us, heaven stretched and walked into the very weakness, into the most depleted and defeated spaces of our being. He walked all the way up to the lens of our lives and looked deep into our space, into our place of weakness and depravity and where we have fallen and we have nothing to give. And Jesus came to us and met us. The mighty hand of God met us and said, stretch out your hand. This is the radical reality and all of this found its full zenith, its full completion on a place called Calvary where Jesus defied the odds and his hands were nailed to a cross and his arms were outstretched for humanity. And the greatest grace of God was not a cleansed fist against the enemy, but was an outstretched arms of the vindication of our souls. And his arms were stretched so wide, not as anatomy's sake, but there's something spiritual going beyond this that actually at the depth of this spiritual moment, this reality, his arms stretch wide enough for your deplore, deplorable habits. It stretch wide enough for your porn addiction. It stretch wide enough for your anxiety. It stretch wide enough for your disease. It stretch wide enough for your dysfunction, for your mental health struggles. It stretch wide enough for your abusive situation where you don't know see a way out. It stretch wide enough for where you think your spouse is cheating on you and you don't want to do. His arms were outstretched wide enough for you. This is the grace of our King. And what has shocked me the most as I thought about this and pondered this is how, how can a wretch, a sinner, a fraud, a liar, an addict, a thief, an idolater, an adulterer, a wretch, a sinner like me and like you, how can we be called sons and daughters of God? How can we be called the very righteousness of God? How can we be used and be called the ones who carry the authority, have the, kings, the keys of the kingdom? How can we be the ones who are called to build the church that the gates of hell will not prevail against, co-laboring with Him? How can we be used of God? That's a stretch. I know my life. That's a stretch. Exactly. I want to tell you today, as we stand to our feet in this moment and land, that God is looking for a church who will stretch. And as we stretch, we'll see the mighty hand of God. I've done my job preaching the word. That's all I can do. The Holy Spirit is working with the word of God in our hearts. Now it's our job to stretch, to stretch. Not great strength required, not a great faith required, but a stretch to trust the mighty hand of God. Why don't we close our eyes? Thank you so much for joining us. If you'd like to take your next step or find out what is happening in the life of the church, head over to our website or follow us on social media. Cheers.